Hi, Richie. Hi, Sin. <laughs> Hello, mysterious laughing person. Who are you? <laughs> I can't help it. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. oh my god, is this Loki? Well, if Loki's here, we might as well talk about that. <laughs> oh, you, you seem to have brought a list of topics with you. That's good. Just, just, I just happen to be in the area. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it happens. We don't plan these at all, you know? I just kind of walk in on your recordings randomly. <laughs> the good thing with these podcasts is that we've been practicing social distancing before it was cool. Exactly. Joke's on all of you, I've been quarantined for life. (laughs) Yeah, and Richie has no friends, so he's never gonna get infected. Yeah. (laughs) People not. What we're going to learn from you today. Uh, We're talking about Dark Souls 2 countries today. I've covered a lot of the different uh, nations in Dark Souls 2, like both translation bits and non-translation stuff. And when I started, it was on Alcan and Ven, uh, because that was the country that I think has like the most info besides Drang Lake, and then um, is the most interesting, I think. I was kind of worried that it would be like very boring from that point on. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, though, um, there's a few tidbits that made uh, each country at least memorable, and there's some that are, like I find, personally very interesting, like Lindelt. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, overall, it's very good. Now, I haven't covered all of them, just keep in mind. Like, I haven't done Drang Lake, because Drang Lake is like half the game. <laughs> that would, I would, that would take, that takes a while. And then, um, the Olafus is another one that I haven't, though I can talk a little bit about some stuff on that, for sure. So, yeah, so we'll see. Cool. So today we're basically talking about the lands of Dark Souls 2. Yes. Yes. Oh. Uh-huh. Hype. Hype. <laughs> yeah. So Tell us everything, Loki. Uh, okay, so first thing we'll start off with is, hi, uh, is Heidi's, uh, Heidi's Tower of Flame. Right. Yeah, we've I've talked a little bit about this, but now that I've kind of gone like I've sinked my teeth into the the subject matter a lot deeper, I can talk more than just like the tra- some of the translation stuff. The generally generally speaking, I think most people agree that like Heidi seems to be in sort of like the oldest of the the civilizations in Dark Souls too. Like you kind of just see it, and it's always the theories are either is it like an Orlando in the future, or is it like something did like Guinevere and Flan come here and found their own city? And it's usually generally thought of as like something that's so old, and the the lore text tends to reference it as something so old that everyone's basically forgotten or is not sure about what's uh. Uh, what's even necessarily true about it anymore? Yeah, they make a big um, point of the the knights there being like all decaying and rusted, and yeah, you can see that that it used to be much much bigger, but most of it's underwater now. In the same way, like we're going to talk about it being Anolondo like, but one of the Anolondo like things that's not really commented on is the way that you're just exploring a raised pathway, and then there's this massive implied kingdom that's underneath you, but you can't actually go to it. 
Yeah, like the yeah. if you yeah, and like concept art helps you like get some mm. perspective. Um, but you can actually see it's basically just like the the very top part of a city, and like yeah. the rest is just underwater. And you don't even think about it, but even when you first like get to the area, like from the the little temple area, um, like that Leisha times tries to like swindle you on, you actually mm. um, you actually go like under. You're actually under the water at that point. Like you go downward and then like you're in some flooded areas. And you don't really think of it when you come back up, but you basically uh-huh. were under the water for a little bit in those areas. So you're in the some of the submerged parts and then just come back up to the sur- onto the surface area and then you kind of just continue going through. And the same thing happens of course when you're going to the the secret like dock area uh that Vendrick has. So, one of the things that was interesting when I was going through on the the cultural side of things is that like i said the city is mostly underwater and when we start with like the architecture and stuff like for example most people seem to notice that there's these statues of what appear to be gwyn but instead of it being gwyn it's um gwyn with like a a, a, a hawk's head or uh, something like uh very evocative of Horus and Ra from Egyptian yeah, yeah, mythology. Yeah. Obviously, a sun god connection there, so that that's uh, very clear. And of course, the architecture is very An Orlandoian, however you want to say that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Plus, then there's the old knights. Um, there's like like Richard mentioned. There's this idea that they're very like they're crumbling and decaying, but um, they still have they retain a lot of power. And it seems like these knights um, they're not treated as hollows by the game or anything like that. So it seems like these knights are golems. Um, and sort of like just like giant oversized golems, and, and we could talk a little bit more about that when we get to Alkin, uh, and Old Iron King later. But like one of the big things that uh is made about uh Heidi specifically is that it has obviously there's the name of the area. It has a giant fire tower, and it seems like the idea was this entire city had like it was built up, and then at the crown tip of it, they would have this giant tower spewing flame, which again makes sense because Orlando was all about fire and the sun, and so you kind of have this giant kind of like just like <laughs> constantly spewing gas and smog into the atmosphere. Can I give my thoughts on the tower though? Because this is yeah, something sure. that struck me early on. I'm pretty sure it's just a lighthouse because. It's a coastal city, so I just figured, okay, they've built a big lighthouse there so ships know where the coast is, and I didn't give it any more thought than that. I thought so, too, but when you take into account that this is, like, the top part of the city and the rest right, of it's right, underwater, yeah, yeah. it might be a lighthouse, but the idea would probably be that it's um, – if it is a lighthouse, it would be, like, one that was built at the top, and the idea is right. everyone could see it from wherever you are in the city. And again, it makes sense. So whether you think of it as, like, a monument or a lighthouse, yeah. there's still just this idea that that's where, like – it's supposed to kind of like represent like flame and how big flame is in like yeah. the An Orlando religious uh, system. And then of course we also know that's where the blue sentinels come from. Uh, that's another big point because that's where the cathedral of blue is. And then yep. of course there's everyone's favorite old dragon slayer, t- totally not just shoe in fan service, Ornstein uh, boss fight. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's all of that doing so. So I went through and I went like I tried to go through in depth on it, and I've talked a little bit about this before. But my thoughts are is that at the foundation, this idea was that Hyde is a piece of An Orlando that basically kind of appeared in uh, Dranglet, basically, and right. it in a bunch of other areas, and then. These areas, it's kind of like you could just imagine like one day you're just like walking around in Orlando and the next second you're suddenly in some weird no man's land, middle of nowhere. You're like, uh, Gwendolyn, uh, Master Gwendolyn, where are you? Uh, uh, anyone? <laughs> and 
that's that's and that seems to be the idea because I, I go through this in the analysis and maybe we'll have a link at the bottom or something so people can read some of these but the idea was that there were two scenarios that we had it was either as i just described or the alternative is is basically all like all the gods or long-lived characters who could potentially keep some structure and like keep it so that way things stay to the orthodoxy um would have to have all died in some event that happened so long ago we everyone forgot and then uh, over time, people just kind of drifted apart, and all like Anne Orlando suddenly became unrecognizable, and things like that. Um, there were there were a few issues with that theory, and then when you take into account Dark Souls Three sort of existence, um, yeah. it sort of completely falls apart. So th- this scenario seems to be the one that that fits the most in both Dark Souls 2's lore, and then keeping into account Dark Souls 3's lore as well, and. With that in mind, then, it makes sense, then, that we see, one, that the this Heidi has, like, the, the obviously, because this is the top of the city, we also see that the Cathedral of Blue is at the top of the city, along with the Fire Tower. So there's an extra importance added there, and the idea of the Blue Sentinels being sort of founded there, the Way of Blue having its origin there, all of that seems to tie into this idea is that there were Dark Moon Knights, um, Painting Guardians, uh, like, obviously, Giants, things like those were left behind like just pieces of them were kind of left here in this uh middle of nowhere and then you have stuff like the undead crypt you have parts of seath stuff and and various things that are also around this continent and suddenly everyone has to be like okay well what do we do well they're obviously going to rebuild civilization and then this is where we get heidi from it seems like and then from what we can tell they did they made various alloys. They had lots of knights because there's the Knights of Blue with the Blue Sentinels. There's the old knights, as we've talked about, and they seem to be golems. And then there's the actual Heidi knights, which seem to actually be like men, m- men of flesh and blood uh, in like this kind of like Templar-esque armor. And then on the... Yeah, and then on the topic of old Dragon Slayer, my conclusion is also is that he's also a golem. And that right. uh, the idea was basically that the the old knights are obviously set up to be kind of like trials basically they drop some like a uh, knight of blue blue eye orbs and things like that so it seems like generally the idea is they're all connected to the blue sentinels and one of the things that's easy to forget when you're doing the boss fight is because of the fog walls and stuff is that like targray is literally just standing there kind of like looking out into like the vista <laughs> in yeah, the middle yeah. of the church it's like ah oh, there's this gi-. it's like ah oh, i'm glad there's no dark enemies i'm hunting today meanwhile there's a giant fight happening behind him with like ornstein shooting dark magic <laughs> oh. yeah so the idea seems to be is that that old dragon slayer boss is um basically like they had or they had like copies of Ornstein's armor there was a piece of his soul and they tr- made that a golem added some dark magic to it and the idea is like okay did, like you 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 want to become a knight who will face the dark and the invaders and all that well you know what here's like your challenge on what you could be going up against and you are you ready and sort of that type of prove yourself worthy type of trial yeah dark souls 3 kind of backs it up as well because that really strongly implies that the Ornstein you fight in Orlando wasn't really Ornstein because Ornstein yeah. was off at Ash Dragon Peak at the time. And work I've done with yeah, and work I've done with Dark Souls One um supports this in that there's a lot of weird oddities with Ornstein. And I couldn't using Dark Souls One's information come to um a really good conclusion there. Because there's just a lot of weird things. Because one, there's the idea of him being codenamed Griffith in there, which Griffith being uh, in Berserk, a mercenary, kind of elite, like a leader of a mercenary band who ends up betraying his unit at the in the end. Um, 
and that became and that it's like so that's already kind of weird in some sense and then on top of that there's just the 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 general like negativity that Frampt has like when you give Framp some items related to Ornstein he's very uniquely negative to them not to an ex- insane extent but he values them a little less compared to other items and it, it isn't a dragon slayer thing cuz like when it comes to Goff or, or Gw- like basically and it's only Ornstein that it seems to be. So it doesn't seem to be about, oh, he hunts dragons and Framp likes dragons. That ha- doesn't seem to have anything to do with it. So, like, stuff like that's like, okay, well, why is he mad? Well, he really hates Smo, but is it really just like, oh, Ornstein and Smo are both tasked with, like, being, like, royal guards to Guinevere, essentially. And it's like, is he really going to get mad that Ornstein follows orders? Like, is that really, like, how, like, petty Framp is? And uh, who knows, maybe he is. But, um... It just doesn't seem like a really good answer. But then Dark Souls 2 comes along, and you're like, okay, well, there's this other... Now there's, like, this new Ornstein, and it seems like he's a... He seems like he's a golem that's kind of set up as, like, this kind of trial or whatever, and he's using dark... Like, he's been set up, he's been viewed with, like, some dark magic, and he's otherwise fighting with Ornstein, and you couldn't tell. And it makes you start wondering, okay, if this Ornstein's a fake, who's to say that the Ornstein we fought in the first game was real? Mm. And that's where Dark Souls 3 comes in and seems to answer that question by kind of giving some clarifications there. Um, What's the answer, though? The answer seems to me is that Ornstein has always been um, fake. And that we've been fighting golems of Ornstein in the first two games, because the real one had gone off to go join uh, the Firstborn after a certain amount of time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that seems to be the answer there. And Dark Souls 2 seems to be trying to be the first one to at least make it a little more obvious by getting you to think in that direction. Now, one one last thing to talk about Heidi is that, well, two things, but first thing would be areas connected to it um, in the analysis going by like different things like the architecture, which can be very shaky with Dark Souls 2, just, just have to kind of give a disclaimer because DS2 has a lot of things that are just reused assets. But generally speaking, there's um, the pit, there's the Grave of Saints, there's Shaded Woods slash Shrine of Winter, and there's Shrine of Amana. And I can't connect all these areas for Heidi for various reasons. For the pit, there's the fact that, um, so the the area that Leisha kind of, where we kind of like, there's the ring and it takes you either to Shaded Wood or to Heidi. Um, it's supposed to be a kind of temple um, in the Japanese script. And it's sort of... Uh, the implication is that there's something somewhat holy being connecting all of these areas, and that that's why you're able to be led into them through this kind of temple that rings around. And the and it seems like the pit used to be a kind of like elevator shaft where it would take you down various levels. Because we see, like, for Grave of Saints, there's at least, like, two levels that it would have taken yeah, you to. Yeah. And then it takes you down to the gutter. So it looks like it was originally a type of elevator shaft. And then the lift would take you there to essentially a graveyard. And when we go into Grave of Saints, for example, it's literally a graveyard of holy men. Um, So we see priests. Some of them are, in fact, uh, larger than average humans. It's hard to say if that's artistic license or if it's supposed to imply there may have been, like, giant breeding with uh, some of the Anne Orlando residents. I mean, they're stranded there. Gotta find someone to love. Well, Ventrix's pretty huge, and he's not a giant, so... Yeah. Yeah. It could again. It could just be artistic license. Yeah, then, yeah. I I tend to view most character height in the Souls games as artistic license, and also just a consideration that if you're playing a third person game, it helps if your opponent is is significantly taller than. Yeah, because it just makes them easier to see. Yeah, same thing. Like yeah. in uh, the the Berenike knights in Dark Souls One are a perfect example of that because they're like yeah. only the hollow versions of them are ever portrayed as stupidly large, and it's probably because the idea was you know they're big, tough, and so they have to look physically imposing and intimidating. You just make them bigger. 
hmm. compared to other enemies. And then, uh, but yeah, so again, so you can go either way, but there are like normal size skeletons in the room, plus these, plus there's a, a skull from the the Tomb of the Giants as like, I assume partially as an Easter egg next to the Rat King in one area. So it may be an idea that this was just sort of like them trying to coalesce and uh, like they were intermi- like they have the races intermingling and some are becoming holy men and things like that. So something like that may be going on. Now, Shaded Woods is... Um, Shaded Woods is another area. There's some architectural similarities with it and Heidi and Shrine of Amana. Um, plus, the general area has several items, like there's the Sun Ring and there's a bunch of uh, other items related to um, Anne Orlando, like Divine Blessings and things that can be found there. Plus, there's these, statu- um, there's these statues of like a woman associated with nature. And... Um, those could be two people potentially. My view that could be either like this is a depiction of Saint Elizabeth because the idea was that they there was these Elizabeth basically went from being a mushroom girl into like this beautiful holy woman who did all these wonderful things. Uh, so that could be a depiction of her. It could also be a depiction of Guinevere because she's a goddess of good harvest and there's a lot of nature imagery associated with her there. Uh, as for why Heidi would be interested in these woods, it probably has to do with Ulysseal since Ulysseal was a close connection with Anne Orlando, and we see in Shaded Wood there is a white, seemingly birch tree, similar to the ones that are in Ulysseal. So it may be the idea is that this was parts of the Ulysseelian forest that got transferred over in this drift, and then all of that became uh, like sort of built upon uh, as like part of the civilization as an extension. It's like, okay, we have this holy area, we have this holy graveyard, and then we have the city itself. Um, and then Shrine of Amana, same architectural things, similarities we're seeing here. There's an old knight that is still active in that area. And um, it also connects to the Undead Crypt, which um, also has lore connections back to Anne Orlando, like back when like Nito and Gwyn and company were sort of working together. And uh, yeah, and it's also for both Grave of Saints and Shrine of Amana, there's also the fact that both areas are flooded with water. So it's got a very similar situation going on as it did with Heidi. So there may be uh, this. It may be that's all part of the same flooding issue. Now, the second thing I mentioned earlier that exists with Heidi is the fact that it's supposedly like it, it's been like kind of filled with water. Right. Is that like it sort of sank in the sea or somehow uh, the the actual the, the term for sinking is very interesting because the same phrase is used when described like it's not it's a different verb, but it's the same meaning is that uh uh, that like New Londo sank also into the bottom of water, which is interesting because New Londo seems to have not sunk; it just got flooded. Um, so it I'm was not deliberately sure. Deliberately flooded, yeah. Yeah, it was deliberately flooded. So I'm not sure if I, I'm I'm not sure if like the developers are just like liberally using the word "sink" to mean like submerged underwater rather than you know physically goes down. Um, but it's just it's just interesting detail to note. And one thing I I. I think is worth asking is like, what is the sea in dark souls? Cause in dark souls one, there's no mention of the ocean. We have like lakes and rivers and that's about it. Like they're like, like Lordran, like there's no like sea in sight in Lordran. It's mm. not until dark souls two that the ocean gets any prominence whatsoever. And then dark souls three continues that. Cause we, again, Lothric, we also see sea near it. So one question I have is like, okay, where does water fit in the cosmology? Cause usually Fire is always like consi- like fire's opposite is almost always considered dark because of the light dark dynamic, um, but like water still like exists and uh, it it, ha- it has to fit somewhere. Plus, like a lot of uh, 
a lot of like qualities of the dark end up having something related to water. Like for example, when Artorius in Dark Souls One like has like these swampy fluids when he's afflicted by it and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm curious if if the water or the ocean levels had like suddenly rose, like the water and the ocean just sort of came out of nowhere and suddenly rose, and if it has anything to do with this idea of like stagnation of the universe as we see become so front and center in Dark Souls Three. So okay, so that's the foundation for like the Drang Lake story. Is basically there is this continent, all like a piece of Anne Orlando and a bunch of other lands from Lordran pop up here, and then they rebuild, and he- the Heidi civilization is one of those that gets built. And then, uh, and then, uh, let me think. Yeah, and then, like, we see a bunch of other countries which seem to have, uh, inherited a lot of that culture that Heidi exported from it. Because it seems to be the source of, like, a bunch of the miracles and things that we, we find, and a lot of characters reference it as sort of, like, uh, an important holy place or treat it as some place that, um, uh, where, like, uh, a lot of, like, uh, uh, religious beliefs seem to have come from. And yeah, there's there's the um, Lysia's there, but there's also you can see the the body, presumably of the the priest that she killed uh-huh. to impersonate them. So presumably it is a site of pilgrimage. Yeah, yeah. And then there's um, uh, then next is worth noting is Jugo. Uh, Jugo is pretty simple because you know it's just like desert country has pyromancers and uh, big bugs. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, so, but one of the, the things I thought was worth noticing was that um, Oris is sort of this weird character, because he sort of comes out of nowhere and founds this country, um, and he's just, like, this guy with, like, this crazy armor that's partially see-through. And one of the thoughts that I had is that he may have originated from Heidi, like, maybe the destruction of Heidi kind of made him, like, kind of be stranded and end up in a desert. And he was like, you know what, I'm just going to found my own nation because I have this awesome armor. And the reason for <laughs> I say, the reason I say that is that... um. We find several of his armor set in in obviously in Dark Souls Two in Drang Lake. One is in a chest adjacent to a Heidi Knight in the gutter, um, mm. and the Heidi Knight appears to have been like sort of trapped down there since like Heidi was destroyed. Like whatever lift was there to like Grave of Saints and up, like it got broken. He's like just been stuck down there, so it's like sucks to be him, I guess. There's also uh, Roy the Explorer in Grave of Saints. He also has a set of the armor when he invades from that area. And um, the old night shield is being carried by uh, an enemy in the the wharf area. So that's, again, a po- another possible connection. And then finally, uh, Moglin, or Mog- I forget how, how the English is supposed to be pronounced. But uh, when he uh, when you're broke and you come to him and he's like, oh, you know, I'm so rich and, and great now, like he'll give you that armor set as well. And he establishes earlier in his dialogue that he gets his wares from, like, he just, like, picks them up around the area to try to sell. So yeah. it seems like there's a bunch of these armor sets in Drang Lake. Um, so... I'm, so one thing I, I one of the options I put forth is that maybe uh, Oros was like just one of the because again we see various knight armors in Heidi so it's not like they're like like what's one more right so it could be that he had, be, had like one of their like unique set of armor and it makes sense considering like the association with like the gods of Anorlando and their light magic and things that they would have um, an armor set that could kind of make you become kind of invisible um, with like right. bright light and things like that so. It all fits, uh, but otherwise, there's nothing really notable to say about Jugo culture or anything like that. It's it's pretty it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Next up is Mara's another one that's pretty simple to talk about. Um, the only real uh, 
the only thing of real notice about the localization here is they have the Mara Wizard Knights. Um, the Japanese is more accurately Magic Knights, and I think they should have kept that because their wizardry seems to actually just be miracles. <laughs> um, those are the only things they're ever used for, and it seems like the lore behind them is just like, the only reason they use magic is so they can basically make magic ineffective so they can then like hit sorcerers. Like They're basically like the people who get mad when like uh, like some pyromancer melts them. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And they're like, okay, well, fine. I'm going to learn Ma- or, um, Havel's magic barrier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Havel. That's what I was thinking yeah. of. That yeah. Havel, yeah, he learns, he creates those miracles that function as magic shields. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And yeah. it's like, okay, well, magic won't work against me. And that's the only thing. So it's, it, Wizard Knight seems to just be misleading on the localizations part. Otherwise, though, th- there's not too much to say. It seems, it's said to be in the Far East, and Ben Hart wears antlers that are also worn by, uh, like, antlers with, like, stag horns and stuff on one of his shields. And. Mm. Uh, we see Craden, who's also from Marah, have like a similar yeah, stag with yeah. those antlers on it. So it seems like uh, Marah and Jugo are like sort of both in the east, and they're both uh, neighboring each other. So they're probably like again, considering that Marah is supposedly constantly being assailed, Jugo is probably one of those assailants. Um, Do you think um, Mira becomes Millwood in Dark Souls Three? I mean, it's possible. Yeah, because they look very, very similar, and like it's they have the same first syllable of Mira. Yeah, it could. Yeah. I mean, it could. It could be like the thing with Dark Souls Three is that it's it's unclear if Mira's like like Astora where it's been destroyed or if it's still around. Like it's mm. sort of vague on that front, and like it's not like we meet anyone from there, so it could be, might be. Um, the only thing about Mira's that's worth noting though is like um, it it it's another example of like dark of souls games, like having like city states for countries where um, it's referred to as both a country and as the, like an old capital. And it seems like the capital was built on like this, this like Holy spring that has like, they create Holy water and stuff that burns undead. Like it's supposed it's, it's probably functions the same as like Guinevere's Holy waters. Like it's because it talks about how they have like healing properties, but it's skulls undead and hollows. Mm. Um, and then, uh, the only other thing to worth noticing, oh, sorry, worth noting is that uh, Kraden. So there's this thing where like some people wonder if like Kraden is pretending to be from Marah, but that doesn't seem to be well founded because like he doesn't give any indication that he's not. Especially considering that uh, what's his name, uh, the map maker has um, Kale. Yeah, Kale. He has a. He seems to at least imply that. Uh, there was actually a murdering knight who got, uh, who got basically, he was supposedly killed, but he saw him. And it's like, well, okay, yeah, he's probably killed, but then he turned undead, apparently. <laughs> and then, um, so like when it talks about stuff like Kraden's armor being sort of like um, weird, or maybe it's an elaborate fake, uh, the point being made is that there have apparently been quote unquote original improvements. So stuff like the elk horns and stuff are probably legitimate, but like he wears like a unique, kind of wears a sort of unique cloak and he has like a kind of unique uh, mask on his helmet and things like that. So those might be what they're talking about. Unfortunately, we don't have an actual normal Marah set to compare. We only have their quote unquote traveling clothes, which is like their dress wear basically um because the country seems heavily inspired by uh spain um and like the culturally with like their swords and their weapons and stuff so there's kind of the idea of like kind of having a quasi uh musketeer look if i remember right also um lucatil who wears the armor was supposed to be like a don quixote character yeah 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 something like that 
So like you, you can kind of see that they kind of just carry that over for the country and its culture. Uh, and you mentioned the name. Maybe that's even the name because, you know, Mira means like to watch or to look. Maybe that was supposed to be a reference to how they uh, uh, to how like they're always like uh, defending themselves against assailants. So they're always on guard. Maybe that's the idea there. Who knows? Mm. And then uh, next up. Oh, Ferosa. Ferosa. OK, so Ferosa is another eastern country. Uh, it's probably another one that keeps assailing Mara because like if Feroz is attacking everyone, it has to be bullying Mara, right? It's like Sin and Richie. They just go together so nicely. <laughs> Lol. Lol. <laughs> she, just, she just accepts it. <laughs> Very unimpressed. Lol. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I already know that. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay, so Feroz uh Ferosa is uh Ferosa doesn't have too many translation stuff we're talking about. There's just Vengarl. Uh his original name is Vangar, obvious reference to the word Vanguard, because like he's supposed to be like this mad warrior who fights from the front and all that type of jazz. So that's pretty straightforward. The actual lore for it is, yeah, we pretty much like pretty simple is that it looks like they worship their own war god Faram, who's probably just like their ID, like their like false impression of the firstborn. Um since like the armor has like what is it the like has an image of like a knight fighting like a dragon and things like that and there's like only a handful of characters that are known for doing that besides the gods and it's like oh yeah it's like I don't think it's Rendell <laughs> right right yeah and then um the one thing that I I go forward and I hope that this analysis comes out by the time I say this but the one thing that I infer in for Ferosa is that I think they actually had set up a colony in Drang Lake at some point, specifically in the Shaded Woods, probably because that's the only area that has been flooded to some extent. Right. Um, but like one of the reasons that we know that uh, Ilium Lois was founded by like supposedly like the best knight or what have you in uh, Ferosa at one point, and that's connected to the Shrine of Winter. Now, as I said, I before I connected Shrine of Winter to Heidi, but it looks like it's been repurposed to become a teleport point to Ilium Lois, wherever that is. Um, probably somewhere else in Drang Lake. So it seems like, okay, well, if you were going to have like a teleport point to and from Ilium Lois, you probably uh are have some sort of settlement there. And there's also the existence of the Lion Tribe the is it called I think it's called like Lion Tribe in English? Lion or is it Lion Tribe? Yeah, yeah. It's the Lion Clan, I think. Okay, 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 yeah. All right. So, yeah. like, yeah, there's the, the basically Lion people. And mm. uh, we know that Ferosa has the, obviously, their Order of Lion Knights. And obviously, Lion comes with this idea of bravery and all these, like, sort of uh, uh, warrior type uh, associations for it. And so there's already a connection there that I think people have made connections before. And what I, what I add to that is that I think. We know that um, especially like emotions and feelings have power in Dark Souls and they can cause like curses on yourself and like kind of imbue like imbue you with power or twist your form or mm -hmm. things like that. We see that, for example, with Velka's crow people, the Corvians, when they um, in their devotion to her, they sort of end up twisting into these weird non-human forms. Um, so one thing I infer is I think may that when Ilium Lois fell, it may have become um it may have kind of marked the end of um Ferosa's uh, little colony in the shaded woods and that the people there ended up 
like in their like dedication devotion when they stayed they ended up becoming the lion people and kind of turned like they went native basically and became like this tribalistic right. animalistic uh uh people living in the area as to why they would make a colony i think because we have to take into account that like the north warders became a thing with the ilium lois dlc and the idea was that you'd have these ferocin like commanders basically and they became gained this title because they were quote unquote um like apostles or servants of the war god um by taking a journey north now we know obviously drang lake is in the north um we also know from uh from the north warder sets and stuff that we know they go to ilium lois um and we know that ilium lois was founded specifically because there was a bunch of chaos creatures in this area and chaos was basically running amok and making a no man's land and then like old ivory king was like no and just like kind of put him put him just like slammed his butt on like the the hole down to chaos and was like no you're not leaving (laughs) um but then um so then it makes sense then that if you have like your like you have like basically like a vassal state or some sort of like derivative from you settling here and you're having like sending like people like sorcerers over there to like on quote unquote to become like like on behalf of your war god and stuff. The idea is probably that Ferosa, at least either because the firstborn actually gave them to this, or they just thought this is what he would want because of like the Anne Orlando history and how things got twisted. That it's like, okay, well, chaos is running amok and stuff. Let's go over there and like uh it'll be like a good challenge. They're good warriors, and we can like try to like do as our god pleases. They go there, they fight a little, and they're like, Yay, I come back, I did all this, I did the journey, and it's like, okay, we'll make you commander of our troops now. And then that that seems to have been the idea, and then you'd have Ilium Lois set up, and then you'd have this little colony set up where you have the teleport point, so you could safely get there, you know. So in case like the chaos creatures are still running rampant, you have like a uh, like a, a quick out, <laughs> and then like uh, uh, and that was, seems to have been like the kind of system they had, and then obviously everything went down wrong with Ilium Lois, and like everything kind of collapsed, and that seems to be my my take on what went wrong there uh nothing else i can really say though about the country otherwise because it's it's otherwise that seems to be the only like the dlc just added that nuance and that's pretty much it lindelt i really really like because there's actually like a lot of like different stuff so just from cut stuff um originally the idea was that the lindelt like cleric set was because of like the knight armor and stuff it was originally going to be um the silver drake knight set um and for for those that would be suspicious, then yes, it actually is in the Japanese version, White Dragon Knights. I checked in the files, and that's right. the same term used to describe Seath as the Pale Drake. So the idea was probably would have been smarter to call them like Pale Drake Knights or something, but for consistency. Right. But the idea was basically they were going to be some sort of like weird combination of like Seath worshippers and um and like regular and Orlando God worshippers apparently, because the description was otherwise mostly the same besides like changing the name and, and a few little, little things. Um, so just like more you know and then as for the area itself so we know that with the because of the dlc that the idea was that like the drake some drake blood knights escaped from uh the destruction of sholva and then they ended up going on to create the arch the arch drake sect um Mm -hmm. what is interesting here is that um the there's also talk in the english version about the lindelt monastery and like it sort of gets a little confusing because both the the descriptions sort of talk about both as if they're like both kind of in charge and it's sort of like a, a mistake on that front because the idea seems to be they're the same institution uh the archdrake sect is more accurately like the archdragon or the ancient dragon temple while the lindelt monastery is known more as the the holy temple of lindelt so the idea seems to be there they're both like the the the, the same use of temple has me 
thinking and the just the general idea of the lore seems to be that's kind of like when some some items call an orlando just the royal capital or something like that it seems to just right. be that that's like a, a synonymous name they're using and the idea is basically is that um the Archdrake sect seems to have been like in charge. It established itself in Lindelt, and it's the it's the one institution that's in charge of everything, which made a lot of the lore a lot easier to follow. I think because now it's like okay, so the monastery, like the whole the monastery, is also part of the sect. It's just like all part of the same like organ. Uh, it's kind of like the way of white. It's the church basically, and. Mm -hmm. Uh, it seems to be mostly focused on Anne Orlando stuff because of Sholva's culture, but it also kind of mixed in this weird dragon worship because obviously the Drake Blood Knights were already kind of like obsessed with dragons and their blood and stuff. Um, but then they, because of like, you know, destroying a civilization, they were like, oh, you know, that was kind of shitty. So what if we like continued their culture and like, <laughs> like lied and talked up about how we like killed a dragon and like we did all these amazing <laughs> things we didn't do? <laughs> Yeah. Unsurprisingly, the descriptions are like, yeah, this doesn't sound like real atonement. <laughs> um, but yeah, it seems like they had a guilt complex, so they decided they would try to like carry on the culture as a way to atone for it, while completely lying about their culpability and everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So like a few things that are we get brought up because of that is like um I think Lindelt may have been originally the Drake Blood Knights homeland because we don't ever learn where the Drake Blood Knights come from, but like they escape and then they go somewhere. So it makes more sense that they would return home to their homeland than like go to some completely different place and be like, oh, yeah, you know, like uh, <laughs> want to hear the good word of the dragon. <laughs> so like I think that that's why we don't ever hear mention of it, because the idea is that it became Lindelt or it was always Lindelt, depending on where the name originated. And then um. The, the idea was just like you had these holy knights, like they came back and they're like, we're holy knights who defeated this. They killed this terrible arch dragon and they sort of made Sin into this sat Satan figure. Sorry, Sin. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Accurate. <laughs> so the idea was basically that the poor dragon Sin ended up becoming like this sort of satanic figure um, because of the whole, like he was going to unleash a poison upon the world or whatever, right? And then uh, we see stuff like their shields, like the idea is that they have these shields for quote-unquote secret ceremonies, and like one's like an actual arch dragon shield and the other one's just a slumbering dragon shield. So presumably these rituals would be something like, you know, they would attack the shield and it would be representative of them like when like spearing the dragon and slaying it or something like that. It'd be like, you know, like probably something like some religious charm to like be like right. a dragon don't don't like wake up and destroy the universe or something right like so something like that and then um another thing that's worth noticing that helps like uh tie this together is the monastery charm is that the it's like a talisman like lloyd's talismans of the holy temple and then the dragon charm is the talisman of dragon power if you actually compare the gifts for them uh the graphics the the yeah. two uh images are actually the same it's just that the 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 holy temple charm is basically just um uh, like an art, like a very poor man's artificial rendering of the dragon charm. Like it's not, it doesn't, it's not as like fancy or nice looking. Um, but the idea seems to be, yeah, okay, these are the same institutions. They're kind of, uh, they're kind of like derived uh, from each other. One just seems to be like better, higher quality than the other. Um, we also have an interesting uh, point where like there's this dry root native to the quote unquote south that we find in Sholva and places. And it's mentioned to be connected to, um, what's it called? the pilgrims and stuff so like there's this talk about pilgrimage it's just convenient that shulva heidi are all located in this southern area where it is where these pilgrims go so again reinforcing this idea that like people do make pilgrimages to heidi and to the south because you know this is the holy land where like the knights slayed the dragon and things like that uh 
replenishment's original Japanese name more so means like life gush. Uh, so like when you get like the miracle resplendent life, which is basically just a better replenishment, um, it's actually called like overflowing life and things like that. And that's where the idea is like kind of like this this like splurge of what I guess life energy being thrown at you. <laughs> um, so like that's a small thing. Another small thing is foresaw seems to be at least when you look at it from the Japanese perspective seems to be derived from force. Um, I assume because he's like a holy knight. Uh, who was like supposed to be like a mad warrior in the battlefield. So the idea is like, okay, well, a lot of like cleric knights were associated with spells like force and things like that. So that was probably the idea. House Austeria. House Austeria is kind of funny because it's actually written the same as the, the actual word for Austria. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's probably, it's probably the intent was to go for like austere. So it was Austeria or something like that. Um, because the idea is like sort of like they're wealthy family, but like they have this ring that can break easily to kind of prove that you know like you can lose your wealth in a moment. So the idea is like you know be austere, you know be, be like you know be humble. And then finally, and this one's my favorite one. Uh, <laughs> so Alicia, there's a I've ta- I've complained a lot about Dark Souls two names because a lot of them are just nonsensical, and then thankfully the localization made them at least sound like they were real names kind of um dark souls uh leisha is one of those names where it's like this is me this feels like a miyazaki name because it's so on the nose and basic her original name is leash (laughs) (laughs) just leash (laughs) because they need to make it more obvious that she feels choked living inland delt because of their like authoritarian moral uh like watch that they always have on you the idea seems to be that you're always constantly being uh, monitored in Lindell to make sure that, you know, you are being an upright moral person, even though we are perhaps the most sinful of all, because, you know, we kind of killed an entire civilization. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's like, uh, glass houses, am I right? And then, um, so the idea with Leisha seems to be that she was, she was like, she's supposed to be working there, right? And she 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 has a problem with sticky fingers, <laughs> just a slight problem. And uh, she ends up running away. It seems after stealing the the like Guinevere's miracles, uh, the like the bountiful and soothing sunlight. We can only get one from her, but it's impl- But the text suggests that she stole both. Um, and we end up getting the other one from uh, the Blue Sentinels, and it makes sense they would have it, so they probably didn't want you to get, like, two copies, potentially. But anyway, the idea seems to be that uh, Leisha kind of, like, ran away, and she kind of, like, got out of Dodge. And from what her dialogue seems to suggest is that uh, she was, like, from what we know from, like, Lindelt and its cultures, the idea is that they would send people out on missions, and the idea was, okay, you gotta live, like, kind of like a monastic life, like, kind of fending for yourself on meager, by meager means, and, uh, doing good works and stuff, um, and Leisha was kind of like, ooh, this is a great opportunity for me to steal something without getting caught by the time they notice I'll be gone. (laughs) Yeah, so she does that, and then from what we can... Uh, infer from her dialogue she actually her japanese dialogue actually suggests she is trying to be a good person like she's kind of like you know it's like you know i want to like steal i mean no 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 give i must give this power and she like she's kind of like trying to get you like you know what I, I can be a good person if i try but you know old habits die hard <laughs> so she can't do it um and as we know she eventually the quest line devolves into her trying to kill you as an invader and then she's like ah you found me out i guess i i don't have to hide it now haha and she's like you know she's secretly like just she's just she's just she tries to be a good person but she's not mm. yeah like patches like patches yeah. <laughs> you know, pa- patches just you know patches just need some help you know 
some a nice kick in the rear for every kick he's given us. <laughs> uh and okay, yeah, but that's all I can really say about Lindelt. And that I, I, I that one I like a lot more as an analysis just because like it, it does the culture like flows together a lot more once you understand that the Archdrake sect and the monastery are the same place. There's like some weird um like inconsistency or anything like that. And then Alkin Invent. So Alkin Invent is perhaps the longest one for Dark Souls 2. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, by far. There's just a lot of data in there to talk about. Um, so first off is the split. There's the talk about like, okay, we had the same founder, but then like they ended up being two nations that really hated each other. So my thought my my inference is that I'm assuming they were originally one country. And then they kind of had like a civil war type of thing and they became their own separate states, which is why they have like the same founder, but they're now like rivaling and all that. Because like the idea is like, no, I'm the real one. I'm the real one. They're kind of like competing over like who's um, legitimate. Uh, One possibility I threw out for like who the what like the founding nation was, was that um, it might be the speculative, like the the ref, the like one time referenced Havel nation that is doing so. Because in Dark Souls 2, there's this idea where um it's uncertain like there's some stories like say that havel was a person others say that havel was a a country of like warriors or things like that and i'm thinking well it could be both where like obviously we know that the havel person part like that's an established thing but then the havel nation part it is possible because we do see we do find and see several um like havel's equipment can be found like in the gutter and like in areas deeper in black gulch um, and the gutter seems to basically be like a time capsule because like stuff gets falls in yeah. there. It's never getting yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. So like, um, so it seems like there were a bunch of Havel warriors at some point. We even meet one and like the what what was that boss fight with like the explorer and stuff in the cave of the dead. Oh, the, yeah, the the gang squad. I forget the name of the gang squad. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Um. Uh, that yeah, one of them is named uh War uh Vor- Varg in in English. Um, his Japanese name is Warg, and the obvious and it's very obvious that the name is derived from war. <laughs> right. So like they just added G at the end, and the Japanese were like, okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah, so the idea seems to be basically there seems to be these warrior, and he's referred to as like an ancient soldier, as an old soldier. So it seems like there was if there were soldiers, it sounds like there may have been an army, and if there's an army, there's probably a nation attached to that army. Um, if so then where was it would be the question. I think, okay, well, maybe it might have been where Alkin and Ven was. Um, we do find the um, the Havel Tooth in the in the bell, uh, the, what was it? The, the Moon Bell Tower, basically. Belfry Luna, I think it is. Um, and then, so that one's found in that area over there. So I was like, okay, well, maybe there is. Because one of the things that's interesting about Alkin and Ven is that they have very specific associations done with them. So there's like, you have uh, Sun and Moon, you have Sun and Moon, you have Prince and Princess. Uh, hmm. So like male and fe- so you have male and female, uh, uh, fire and water, faith and reason, obviously sorcery and uh, py- py- pyromancy and sorcery, like all these sort of um, different traits that are specific to these areas. Especially you can see that very obvious with the spices because like um, the spice you get in uh, areas connected to the Olafus slash 
uh, Ven slash uh, Lost Bastille and all that is connected to like raising your uh, faith, implying that there was a deficiency of uh, of like faith in that area, which makes sense because there's a huge sorcery association there, and vice versa. When you go to Alcan areas, there's a lot of these uh, red spices, which again, red, red, blue sort of association with Alcan and Ven, but red air, uh, red spices, which uh, help you with if you have a deficiency in like reason or intelligence. So like you kind of like raise up your ability to reason a little bit there. So again, it seems like there's like these very specific associations between these two countries and i go more in depth in them in the analysis um but suffice to say it looks like the it's possible that the idea was that like there was a havel nation and like you know it's all about rock and like rock wearing rock armor and rock warriors and all that probably based on some story of havel and for whatever reason it seems to have fallen i haven't done an analysis of shulva so maybe it's connected to that somehow because we do find a warrior there in the cave of the dead but it could just be that it just collapsed for one reason or another at some point um but one of the things that's interesting about like Havel equipment and stuff is that it's resistant to fire and sorcery. So there may be this idea was that um yeah, this this nation and like its people in two different areas. One became really obsessed with like fire and lava and all that stuff because of the Alcan Association, and the other became really obsessed with sorcery and things like that. So it may have just been there was this cultural divide growing, and it, the country sort of ended up falling apart because like you know it's like you know like we're resistant, we know how to deal with these things, so we can safely handle them. And then they became sort of so obsessed with them, they, they became basically culturally so disparate they ended up in civil war or something. So that's that's an idea I I I I infer, but it's really hard though because like. Again, it's based a lot on just the fact that we find that one item in there. And again, I I do not trust the DS2 devs to like throw one item in there just <laughs> to to in, uh, imply a whole lot. So who knows? Maybe maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. Okay, so next thing is I've talked about this a little bit before, um, but um, for names, the pursuer boss. Um, so first off, the name pursuer is is a little misleading because like the the it's not like the the spell like pursuers or as it's called affinity in later games um it's more like um the curse bound uh idea is that like you're you're kind of like you're like the enemy is tied down by a curse and you can actually see there's like all these dark spirits and stuff that are uh resentful and things like that um like sort of like cursing and bounding him to like hunt and uh keep hunting and things like that for like all eternity it's like oh well you know sucks to be you i guess <laughs> and then um the, the actual uh, ring that you get from the boss actually re- references this enemy called like Adgars or Adgals. Um, this never got localized over. Um, doesn't seem like the character's too important. I'm not even sure if we necessarily even like kill the real one because like there's several of these bosses like running around. So <laughs> like who knows? And then um, another interesting thing to point out is um, the Bellkeeper set. It refers to the Prince and Princess of Alkin as just that Prince and Princess, but the um, the description actually talks about the king and queen. So it basically confirms that the prince and princess do end up becoming sovereigns of their respective nations, presumably. And uh, the idea was that they eventually grew up and stopped being like just sort of like the the children of the of the monarchs. Uh, and this is important for a little bit later um, because. And one of the associations that happens with Alkin is there's a lot of stuff associated with aggression and going after with it and it's sort of similar to like ferosa where's like ferosa kept on going aggressive 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 and eventually like its economy and society and everything collapsed and became a lawless zone right um it seems like the similar situation was happening with alkin where like it would go on attack 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 and eventually as we know with old iron king it became where old iron king ended up being a weak king 
and he was like he didn't have a lot of power and it makes sense because the idea was like obviously the king has been dead and now he's been replaced by his son and like ever like they they're basically seem to be completely exhausted economically speaking and, and like militarily so like they need like he's in a very precarious spot like he's about to go the way of Feroz. <laughs> um uh and obviously, by my statement, I go over in my analysis that I believe the old Iron King is, in fact, the king of Alkin. And one of the big reasons for that is that we know from like the Mytha stuff, there's this whole thing about how like yeah. the king, like the the queen, was married to a king, and um, he he was in love with another, and like so she tried to do all these things to be beautiful, et cetera, et cetera. Um, my my take on that, based on the Japanese dialogue especially, is that first off, she's definitely talking about Old Iron King. Like It's very specific that when Gilligan talks about uh, Mytha's backstory, the idea is that, oh, yeah, that king of the castle beyond here. So the idea is that the next area, obviously, Old Iron Keep. So it's very clear right. that Mytha is the wife of Old Iron King. Um, and obviously, Old Iron King's castle is in the same place as Belfry's soul. So it doesn't take, again, the fact that the prince became a king, there's an Old Iron King living there, and he's the last... Uh, king to be there before Drang Lake shows up and takes over in the history. So, like, overall, it all fits, and it ends up fitting very nicely right. into what we're about to go into. So, the idea is that Old Iron King seems to have been put into a rough spot. His country is basically collapsing with their war machine and stuff. Then comes in Alon. Now, I didn't understand why Alon, because he's from the East, right? I didn't understand why the developers gave him that name. Because in the Japanese, it's Aaron, uh, like basically like the name Aaron, but that's not, that wasn't their intention. <laughs> it, it, what they right. seemed to have been intending was actually that it was that it was a it was a joke in that if you replace one of the characters in Alon's name, so instead of it being like Aaron, it would be Iron or Iron. <laughs> so oh. yeah, so that was supposed yeah. to. Yeah, that was supposed to be the reference they were making. And once that clicked for me, I was like, oh my god, it makes so much more fucking sense. Because I couldn't get it for the longest time. Because I, I don't know if I mentioned because I think, I said this before like one of our earlier podcasts, but I played through 20 hours before I threw that shit away, garbage away into the actual trash. So <laughs> so I, I had gone to Iron Keep by that point, and I was very confused by by like all like the, the samurai that were going by the name Alon, and that that was supposed to be a guy. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, well, where's our, where's our like, she, where's our like Shivas or other Eastern sounding names? Like, at least try. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so yeah, it's supposed to be like a reference to Iron because he's Old Iron King and all that. So like, yeah, we then learned that uh, Old Iron King uh, had seemingly Alon's help, and they ended up capturing a, they ended up capturing like these iron reserves on like the border with a. Ve- a quote-unquote Ven Earldom. The Japanese is very specific on this uh, front. So it seems like there was like this little Earldom in like Ven on the border with Alkin. And uh, it had all these huge iron reserves. Who knows? Maybe Alon like saw them. He's like, hey, you know, King, there's like this stuff here. And he was like, oh, you want to train my guys and help me capture? He's like, okay, sure, cool. I'll, I'll help. And then um, they ended up doing so. And obviously they built the tower and they became this iron facility. And then Iron King becomes like this this big prosperous uh king because he's getting all this wealth from this iron like monopoly he's created um and he ends up like building like obviously castles and all these things connected to it uh one thing to also point out is that like they totally retconned so much stuff when they did the tail seek 
Yeah. Because uh, um, because on February, uh, let me see, I have the date somewhere here. I think it's like February fifth, twenty fifteen, something like that. Um, they had done an update where they changed a bunch of item descriptions, and some of them, um, almost all of them, had to do with either making lore more obvious or changing stuff because uh, they had they wrote certain things before they finalized plot ideas for the DLC clearly, and then when the DLCs mm. came out, they created contradictions. So they're like, oops, we gotta go back. <laughs> Uh, so like stuff like Alon used to be implied to have been like only met after the events of like Iron King becoming like the Iron King, and then um, the obviously the DLC makes it clear that he had met him beforehand. Uh, and then another thing was like yeah, another thing was like with uh, what was her name? Uh, Nishandra when she uh, she goes from being like she was the smallest one, so she formed first and did her plans, and like then the DLCs happen. It's like uh, there were a bunch of people that were like a bunch of like her sisters happened before her. <laughs> it's like <laughs> apparently being small and being fast meant that you just dick around for like centuries longer. <laughs> it's like oh wait, I have motivation to lust for power, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, so uh moving all that. Uh one other thing that's worth noti- noting is that in the Japanese script, uh one is Iron Keep is the melted iron castle that was translated as smelter in a lot of cases. So stuff like smelter demon and stuff. The idea is that you know it's oh, melted iron. Okay, right, right. Yeah. So like Iron Keep is supposed to be like the melted iron castle, the smelter castle, because you know it's you know it's made of iron, half some of it, and it's like half sunk into the <laughs> lava right yeah so that's the same thing with like all the demons and things like that and then another thing worth noting is um uh old iron king is described as having almost like he was able to like discover the profound mysteries of the soul and that's presumably in relation to his like uh golem works and stuff uh just for note like stuff like that that's only used in like two other cases one case with um what's his name uh the the sorcerer the 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 discount logan Carhillion, I think it was something like that. Or Carhillion of the Fold. He's, he He's Logan without the big hat. <laughs> anyway, so like uh, uh, Carhillion, or however you say that, uh, it's called Callion in the Japanese. Uh, probably the most closest thing to a normal name they got. And then, um, uh, basically, he also references what, sorry, that. What's his name again? Carhillion, or no, the Japanese version is Callion. Callan, you know that meme where it's like a kid is like, "Mom, let's buy this," and she's like, "We won't buy it because we have one at home." Oh, we have one. <laughs> so, it's like, so it's like, "Mom, let's buy," it. and it's like Big Hat Logan. <laughs> no, we have one at home. <laughs> it's like Carillion, <laughs> the Big Hat Logan at home. <laughs> Logan without the Big Hat. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> like the only reason that anyone remembers Logan is because of his big hat. Otherwise, like he'd be forgettable. It'd just be a naked dude in the library. I just, yeah. <laughs> just let him do his research at the library. You could just let him fade in the background. And then, um, no, but the, the idea is that the profound mysteries he talks about is like sorcery and stuff. Like this idea of like, you're going to get to like the essence, the quintessence of like what sorcery and stuff is. And the same thing is used when referencing both Old Iron King and in reference to the idea of the soul being um, Vendrick and Aldia. So this idea of, like, you're going to find the innermost mysteries, like, you discover the truth about the soul. Presumably this is a reference to the idea, like, he would discover, like, the soul and the curse and, like, like the first flame and all that stuff. But, like, nah, he, nah, fam, he's rich. He's just going to, like, blow it on bitches or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
and like i mean he did like he ends up like what do we he he becomes like a major weapons collector we find lots of like different rare and unique weapons related to him in his in his area um there's um uh he even find like swords stabbed into like chains out the front door where like they would hang prisoners and stuff and it's like yeah this guy just like he has swords to spare um (laughs) so do you think he has like a hoarding addiction or Listen, man, he couldn't get love from the person. Like, just just let him, like, fill the gap somehow with, like, his pretty toys. Aww. <laughs> Aww. No. Yeah, so... The idea seems to be that like he 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 kind like he he they couldn't be together for obvious reasons. And one of the things I go over is that the idea with their covenant seems to be they built the towers obviously to represent their love, right? But it has this interesting thing where one the the puppets are set up to guard it. It's like okay, well, why do you have puppets guarding this area? Like it's just a bell tower. Like it's not like Daddy's gonna go through and be like, son, why did you suddenly build this giant bell tower out of nowhere? I how did I not know this this before? Tear it down. Like it's it's like that doesn't seem like that very likely to happen. And then um there's also the fact that like the puppets have these rings that let you like summon and like become a spirit there, like if you're close to the tower or whatever and like someone else is there. So you like you just like warp in, right? So and like the whole covenant is revolved around one defeating like the invaders and stuff, right? But the other aspect is don't let the invaders ring the bell. And it's like, well, why does that matter? Because like the whole idea is that they're supposed to be ringing the bell to keep on like symbolizing the love. And I was like, wait a second. What if the whole idea was that? the the bells were set up as kind of like a warning sign like it's like ding 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 we're all clear we're all clear we're all clear and whenever you would be like okay i can put on the ring and then since i'm close to the bell tower while you're while someone's entering the bell tower i teleport in as a spirit and then they could secretly rendezvous in these bell towers whenever they wanted basically um and the idea was that okay we have to have these puppet station to make sure that only we are the ones going in and no one else is giving the all clear signal and potentially you know because it'd be real awkward if like prince of alka was like just kind of like i'm gonna just teleport as a spirit and there's daddy (laughs) and he's not happy with his daughter Uh, that was one. That was one thing I went through on when exploring just their covenant. And the idea, of course, is that obviously one he ended up becoming the king of his nation. She ended up becoming the queen, a queen of hers, and like they couldn't really work together. But he was poor. Um, but he was. It's fine. He was able to get a major conquest, get some money, and then he just like spent it all away on like whatever like uh whatever like superficial things he could in order to fill the gap in his heart, probably. Um, and then uh we we know that um. Alon also because of the retcon with Alon, it seems to have changed from just the old Iron King just like listen to like anybody like because he's like oh I have all these like great foreign like people here and it's like I'd love to listen to all of their great ideas and half of them are charlatans who just like are like taking advantage of the fact that he's a rich guy and they can fool him in order to like get like money or whatever from him right um, but some of them like Alon were useful but with the retcon it seems to imply the reason why he's willing to trust any type of foreign guests that he's inviting in is because he trusted Alon in his time of need and that worked out for him in like dividends right so that seems to be the implication is that okay so there's actually like he's not just like an idiot (laughs) he's just kind of he's just like he's a you know he's a hopeless good-hearted kind of idiot (laughs) and then obviously he 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 doesn't end up discovering anything profound about the soul he's just interested in like golem works and getting his collection and doing all these things the one good thing we do know he did was that he actually cared about the undead problem he's like oh yeah there's like this curse that doesn't seem to ever end Mm. 
Like, it's kind of plaguing my country. Maybe I should do something about it. Uh, especially considering there's, like, a bunch of them. So the idea seems to be, like, there's this forest in, like, the hinterlands of, like, Alkin's territory, right? And that's where all the undead are apparently... And, like, apparently they just banish all the undead to this, like, remote forest. And it's like, they all go hollow there. And it's like, you know, this could be, like, a zombie apocalypse film in a few more centuries. Maybe we should do something about this. <laughs> just, like, the sudden horde coming from the forest. So he ends up getting, like, a bunch of sorcerers and stuff involved to, like, lead this, like, undead hunt, right? Um, right. It doesn't seem to have worked. It ends up um, being where, like, it becomes, like, this total torture fest where, like, the the sorcerers and everyone seem to just use it as an excuse to do, like, these abhorrent, like, Mengelian experiments and things on the undead, right? Um, and then eventually it all collapses because eventually, like, um... Uh, they get overrun and they all get killed and they turn like into undead. And then like the the sorcerers, as we know, three of them were like, "God, this kind of sucks that we can ho- go crazy, hollow, and like we're very vain people who love our intelligence and our knowledge and all that. What if we like you know just use necromancy to like circumvent all this shit?" <laughs> mm-hmm. So then they basically turn themselves into skeletons. But apparently they lost their memories. That's um as a re- as a result um and so like it's like oh like who are we again ah who cares we'll just become like a skeleton kings now that's like <laughs> yeah there's not much deep lore with them to be honest <laughs> uh but it seems to just be a side escape for the old iron kings regime and then of course there's mytha that's also happening at the same time here right um mytha's lore is a little more interesting because it seems to end up connecting to sholva um, and again, this is one right. of the reasons I actually really appreciate the DLCs, because a lot of the Alkin and Ven stuff make no sense without it. <laughs> like, they, they, like there's so much stuff in that DLC where you're like, okay, they specifically did this because there was shit that wouldn't make sense otherwise in the, the stuff. Case in point, um, uh, Mytha ends up apparently hearing that there's like these these poison pools like appearing in the ground in this area of their kingdom. And she's like, okay, well, this stuff supposedly makes you young and beautiful. So like, I want to like uh, impress my man. So I'm going to become young and beautiful by like just bathing in this shit. <laughs> Um, so what, uh, so she ends up creating, like, the Earthen Peak, the tower and all that, and she ends up, like, creating her, her poison baths, and seems to be the idea was she would, like, just kind of bathe herself over time, get a resistance to it, and slowly, like, it would make her skin youthful and beautiful. Eventually, it turned into a snake monster. Now, the reason why is probably because it had dragon power in it, because as we know, snakes are basically, um, failed to be dragons. They're essentially, yeah, like, perfect, the idea, yeah, the idea being is, yeah. like, if you're if you you're 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 like you failed so hard at being a drag like you failed so hard you're not even like a wyver you're just like a snake <laughs> um and the wow. idea seems to be therefore that mitha ends up becoming getting these like snake like traits and we know she has some degree of immortality because she seems to have cut off her own head <laughs> mm. and she's still alive so like the idea seems <laughs> to be that uh can you just imagine, like, you see yourself in the mirror, it's like, God, I look so ugly, cuts off your own, like, dragon-looking head. It's like, ah, beautiful. Like, that, you can tell she went a little cuckoo at that point. <laughs> just a little. Um, but the the idea seems to have been that uh, there's this dragon power in the poison, and presumably that's because it's, it's from Sin, because the idea was obviously Sin had all this poison inside of his body, and it makes sense that it might be imbued with some of his, like, dragon power, and then, like, he unleashes it acro- upon them. And the idea seems to have been, at least if I remember right from the Design Works interview, was that um, Sin was, like, absorbing the poison in the area, like, it was natural poison in the area that he was absorbing, and then when he woke up and he unleashed it all, it ended up, like, he stopped doing that. <laughs> 
So the idea seems right. to be that the poison ends up uh, like kind of like seeping into the earth above. And that's how people like Mytha end up discovering it and like its powers and things like that. So it's like, OK, well, it makes sense then because it's like immortality, eternal youth, beauty, like agelessness, like a lot of that stuff. You're like, OK, yeah, that makes sense with the dragon powers. Like, OK, that's actually really clever. And then. So the idea seems to have been that Mytha tried all that, but obviously eventually it turned her into a monster. And it's like, uh, this was not what I signed up for. <laughs> <laughs> and she's so obsessed that she just keeps on like bathing. It's like it's like eventually this will work. I just gotta <laughs> just more more poison. <laughs> uh, one thing. Okay, so one thing to notice about her name, by the way, since we're on the topic of her poison, she's called the Baneful Queen in ja in English. Uh, it's more like just the Queen of Poison, the Poison Queen in Japanese. And it seems to me because the idea is she's a reference to Mithridates, the the Poison King. Uh, I forget right. what kingdom he was a part of. I think it was in Anatolia or something like that, but someone's going to correct me, I'm sure. But the idea seems to have been that um, Mithridates, so yeah, Mitha, it's easier in the English because it says Mitha, Mithridates, you can get it. Um, Japanese, it's Mita, and it's like uh, Mitoradates, so it's like, yeah, again, it takes the two characters and kind of throws them together. It's like, okay, we got it. She's a poison queen, there we go. So just, again, interesting <laughs> trivia. And then um, the idea seems to have been that uh, she would just kind of like keep on staying doing the poison. Maybe things would work out. It didn't, obviously. And like she's obviously like she's abusive to her, her staff, and like a lot of them are dying in the poison fields. Or <laughs> so like not good. Uh, she ends up recruiting the Jugo's pyromancers, though. Um, they drop dragon charms, so it seems like they mm. are aware about the powers of the poison, like the dragon relation specifically. Um, and presumably, mm. considering that like their whole shtick is like they're supposed to be beautiful and they use their feminine wiles to kind of attract and lure men into false sense of security so they can like mug them or something. Um, yeah. The idea seems to be that they probably want access to her poison so they can also have eternal youth and beauty, and that seems to be why they've agreed to serve her. Um, so yeah, just some, that seems to be the idea there. Um, yeah, Mytho tears off faces of her puppets because she can't stand them looking at her. Like, yeah, she's she she goes a little cuckoo. Intense. <laughs> Makes puppets with faces. Yeah, uh, that's also something to actually worth talking about. The puppet aspect. It's because one th again, one of the things that makes uh, the Heidi such a found like fundamental as like a kingdom is it looks like a lot of the countries that come after Heidi end up. Uh, uh, sort of inheriting its culture, like the Gollum craft and stuff like that. So, like, Alkin and Ven have this, like, puppet craft that's related to it. And you can see that again with Mytha, with, like, the Gollums that Old Iron King makes and stuff like that. And it seems to all... Uh, there's the Gargoyles and Belfry Luna. And it all seems to all kind of connect to this idea of kind of, uh, like, culture from Anne Orlando that ends up in Heidi, ends up kind of disseminating, and, like, people who lived in Drang Lake are sort of inheriting some of that culture and passing it all. Lofus has some of that, too, so various things like that. And then, uh, uh, anything else to say about myth, I'm trying to think. Uh, no, I think that I think everything else is pretty like standard procedure. Um, oh, actually, one more thing. There's cut dialogue with Gilligan because like Gilligan has this story and he doesn't really explain in the English dialogue where he heard all this. Um, it's actually a cut line. He the idea seems to be that Gilligan assumes you were a prisoner that was captured by Mitha. And he right. implies that he is one too. And the idea seems to be that Gilligan heard this story from other prisoners in the area before he escaped and then he's hiding out. Um like <laughs> on like the walls because he's like trying to be like i don't know like a, a looney tunes character basically is already um <laughs> so that seems to be where he got his info from and that's how he knows like all this stuff about mytha and everything like that um I'm trying to think is there yeah that's 
basically it. I mean, we also there's also the fact that like <laughs> old Iron Keep is like in the sky, but like that's just terrible dev game design. That's that that that's yeah. notable. <laughs> uh so then the net so then okay so that covers a lot of like the history stuff with it there's also like the pursuer bosses and stuff which are obviously adgars was connected to alkin so it seems like the pursuer the curse bounds are basically like i guess more knights that the old iron king or alkin was using in order to try to deal with the undead problem like they're now kind of just like left to their own devices and then finally we get to the big thing which is uh old iron king decides i'm gonna make this giant ass golem and just stick it in the lava and see what happens (laughs) (laughs) so like here's the thing lava is really unique in dark souls right because like um it's not natural like we never see like quote-unquote natural lava it's always connected to some power usually related to fire like with k usually it's chaos right because like the idea is like chaos creates lava arts and all these things because it's like a fire so hot it melts even rock um and then we see the same thing in dark souls 2 with like there's this volcano that alkin was founded near and it's like splurting all this lava from there it's like okay well if alkins aren't like natural because like we, we you go below you we've been below the surface there is no like mantle in the dark souls world mm-hmm. right so um yeah it's like you, you go down there and there's trees and you're like okay what the fuck <laughs> yeah so when we're talking about like uh uh, like lava in this area the idea seems to be is that it's because of gwyn's soul because we know the soul of gwyn is there it's found in the lava the idea is that it's called molten earth uh we know old iron king becomes quote-unquote icarus earth again molten earth and the idea seems to be that like this molten earth this lava is an extension of gwyn basically and like his soul is basically melting the rock and like it's imbued with his power so it does all this stuff which explains why when um old iron king so old iron king seems to have created like a so it seems like he went to eagle for this because eagle like makes stuff like these giant iron statues to appease him and um we find pyromancies around the tower so it looks like when old iron king wasn't at the when he wasn't at the tower uh like overseeing the ironworks facilities he kind of just left it to eagle Um, right. And it's like, okay, well, okay, you're you're in charge here. And Eagle was like, hey, you know what? What if we make this giant magic go- golem? It'll be bigger and better. It'll be beautiful. I promise. Like best best golem you ever want. I promise. It's like you're paying me, right? <laughs> and so we see one of them in uh we see one of them in the DLC, and it's more magic based, obviously, because the idea seems to be it was obviously like a kind of a prototype. It's like, okay, can we do this with like magic and stuff? It's like, okay, it's possible. So let's do the the real one. And they tried the real one with the lava, but after it went in the lava with like, and they did it all, it ended up kind of going wild and out of control. And it's implied to be because of um, Gwyn's influence. We also see that the armor is actually one of the unique armors that has like some curse resistance connected to it. And we see this a lot with like enemies that are possessed by like the the Nito, Gwyn, Isolith, and Seath end up having like these types of resistances kind of stacked onto their otherwise normal armor. So it seems like what it becomes a thing where like the lava ends up kind of uh, taking control of uh uh, the boss, and then he goes wild. He kills the old Iron King, and like uh, the city, uh, the the lava splurts out even wilder in reaction. The the entire city, the sorry city castle gets destabilized, and it sinks. And like basically, the whole kingdom collapses after that. And we see like we see like with the tower, there's evidence of like there's been a lot of fight infighting and stuff among like the old Iron King's like forces and things. And then obviously, once Nadalia shows up, things like go completely to hell. So. Hmm. So yeah, thing. Th- so basically, he he lost it. He lost everything, and it's used as like a moral for like arrogance and hubris and all that and stuff like that. Um, greed too. Uh, anything else worth here? Uh, 
No. Oh yeah, Eagles references a Magus. Um, the it, it basically it's basically just saying he's a he's a spellcaster. Basically, like it's not saying anything specifically. It's not saying sorcerer or anything. Like it doesn't seem like that's a unique word. Like the term is basically used most of the time when referring to like whatever using a spell. Like you know, like if the caster does, you know, it's like this could help the caster or something like that, right? So that seems to be the idea. Um, for talk about that. Okay, and then last thing is forgotten uh, the lost sinner. Um, so. I think everyone has a theory on Lost Sinner. My theory is that it is just the Queen of Ven. Um, so one one thing I will note though is the Japanese text doesn't clarify the gender of the this the of the of the boss. Um, it's never right. gets referenced. So if you want to make a theory about how the boss is actually a guy and it's like Eagle or something, like go ahead. Like that's at least possible. Again, I make my own argument for why I don't think it's Eagle or any man in particular, and it actually is her. But my my under my. It's kind of weird that when Alkin is sort of in its like weakest point, like it's at its most vulnerable state, and Ven does nothing. <laughs> like it's like these countries like hate each other. They hate their guts. And they don't and it's like, okay, we have a perfect opportunity to like s- like snatch final victory over our enemy because they finally exhausted themselves. And it's like we don't. <laughs> we just are gonna like sit here and wait for them to like make a recovery. Um So um, one of my thoughts was like, what if it was something like um the 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 now queen of Ven is sort of like you know like let's like not let's try to have peace and maybe reconcile and things like that because you know like she obviously loves him and like they're both leaders and it's like you know kind of like you know maybe I'll help him and we'll be able to all finally be together and things can work out finally right um and then like old iron king ends up going like takes advantage of like the the the, the brief interlude to then like capture the iron from Ven and like obviously I, I don't think Ven is very happy when they realize there was a monopoly of iron they lost out on. <laughs> <laughs> and got captured by their long-hated enemy. Um, and it's possible that at that point, then, like, stuff like, okay, queen, what, like, what the fuck, queen? Why did you do all this? Like, you could have, like, you know, actually, like, uh, like we had our chance and you ruined it. Like, are you, like, a sympathizer with the enemy? And, of course, if, if obviously, if anything got out about the relationship, things would totally go to hell. So I'm thinking it may be a case of the reason why we have this big, giant jail cell that has this person that's been completely locked up and kept here this person is very self-hating and self-loathing like they're they're obviously very complicit to this because even after being like the chains are no longer bounding the lost sinner and she's still remaining in her cell like she hasn't left it like it's an open door and everything and she's like nope i'm staying here i'm gonna use this sword that hurts me as i use it stuff like like she's clearly not someone who's um very happy uh, and she sort of like wants to kind of like torment herself for like all eter- for as long as possible. Plus, like Isla shows up and ends up kind of making her immortal by possessing her. So it's like, okay, yeah, well, yeah, you can torture yourself for as long as you want, honey. <laughs> hmm. Um, but yeah. So, and one of the other things that's worth noting is that there's a chest behind Lost Sinner, and one of them has um the fragrant branch of Yore. For for those that don't know, the the use of the term Yore means like um it means like uh nostalgia or something like you know something like you like you remember something you dearly missed or things. That's why it works for like dispelling curse because the idea is like you bring it up to like the the petrified statue that's cursed to be like you know a statue. It's like hey, remember remember this smell? It's like oh, I'm back to life. You know that type of idea. And it seems to be the idea is that um we see like red banners and things in the room there and like just overall it may be an impression of like she was there and sometimes she would like smell like stuff like that that branch and like it would remind her of like you know the good old days when i was young and innocent and foolish and i was like with the love of my life and you know all that like i was having my romeo and juliet romance all that so there may be something to that there because there's also um there's also other items related that that help with that so 
yeah, I think that covers everything I covered in the outcome event. That that is the longest one that I did. It, it's a good analysis, but it takes a while. <laughs> That's all the big stuff. Right. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, next, and then like, okay, next are like the more modern countries or the ones that we don't have too much information that they're very old. Um, Melfia. Um, yeah, it's a ma- it's a magic academy, magic institute. Uh, one of the things that's interesting is that there's a talk about in the English dialogue, like, oh, you know, it's he went to like one of our renowned magic academies, and like, um, there's also talk where uh, what was his name, Falcon talks about, you know, I went to a great school in the South and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Um, the Japanese dialogue uses the term basically meaning college or university, and there's uh, I forget, I think it's Rosabeth. She mentions that there's several magic colleges basically, and he meant uh, Falcon seems to talk about I went to a famous college basically, um. And based on that, it sounds like it may not be that there's like multiple schools because lore wise, that doesn't make sense because the idea is all these sorcerers ended up um, on the land and then like they founded a they founded a school to kind of reclaim all the knowledge that they both lost or what they have left and stuff. Right. They were salvaging what they had because, you know, Vendrick was a dick and was like, you're responsible for the curse. Um, But then. Um, it seems like these are, it's kind of like, you know, there's a university and there's multiple like college campuses and things like that. So it may be something like that's unlike, and not just like, oh, you know, there's like a bunch of different magic schools that are all like teaching the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Again, again, it, it's kind of, it's a little vague. So it, it, it's just, just something I suppose in there. And then, uh, Volgan, Volgan is, it's, is literally just, you know, you know, business is like money is king <laughs> um the only thing worth knowing is that the falconers that you can fight in i think like new game plus in like the beginning area or something um yeah yeah they're known as the falconry knights but they're not really knights they're mercenaries is supposed to be the idea right so it's kind of like the drag knights in dark souls 3 um and then uh lanifir so lanifir is another one there's not too much to say it's basically just um there's this talk about how it's like the silver eagle kite shield is a symbol of strength slash wealth. Uh, the idea being is that um, it's specifically supposed to be a symbol of like martial fortune versus monetary fortune. So the idea is like, you know, you have luck in business versus luck in war. So it's like apparently uh, that's the the unique association eagles have because we get like items with eagles in like the main game and they're used for shields and stuff. And the idea is like, OK, yeah, you go to war and eagles a symbol of strength and courage. And again, it's like the lion and the griffin and like a bunch of other symbols that the game uses for like strength and war and all that stuff. Um, and then the other thing is dur- there's the there's only like. There's that one character, Durgo, who, like, he and his brother-in-law defended Lanifir from foreigners, basically, um, and kept their isolationism right. intact and stuff. Uh, his name is written the same way as Hawkeye Go, and obviously he has the Hawkeye ring, and he's, like, a big sniper marksman. So the idea is... Because I think the English for Go, Go is pronounced Goff, right? Like, I think that's how the localization pronounces it. Yeah, they call they call him Goff in the... Like, the voice actors yeah, say Goff. Yeah. But it's... At, yeah. yeah, the Japanese is spelled, like, Go. And they do the same thing in Dark Souls 3 with Argo. So it's like, I don't know. <laughs> they, they seem to just like making, like, fucking references to Go. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's like it's like I guess every giant just has their like name end in oh <laughs> maybe that's see this is why Smo is totally a giant okay never mind <laughs> okay yeah and then uh uh that covers most of the, like the big countries there's obviously like the rat kingdom but that one's not much to say seems like the rats made a deal with the furtive pygmy way back when and then like obviously that didn't work out in the long term. <laughs> Uh, and now the rats are kind of a little bitter about it. And then um, Gutter. Gutter's not really a country, okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's like, it's a collection of misfits. 
with led by one real ugly misfit. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the idea with Gutter is that the the like there's a bunch of like people who were like thrown down, right? And they all like they tried yeah. getting out. And one of the items, I forget what it's called, like it's the one with like the black crystal or whatever for like that you like. The idea was like they tried climbing the sides of the walls to climb out, and then they fell anyway, and then they quote unquote died resentfully. So the idea seems to be they were all resentful, so they ended up cursed, and like this resentment became like this mass of bodies, kind of like what we see in Dark Souls One with like crawling carry-ons and like mountains of salt bodies and corpses and stuff like that in like new londo shit stuff like that and then um it like all coalesced around nito's soul and became the rotten um and the idea seems to be that the rot is referred to as um besides being an obvious uh valley of defilement reference it's um it serves as like the idea is the rot is a quote-unquote holy place like it's referred to as kind of like a holy land type of deal and it seems to be the idea is that like all of them who've been thrown down here have kind of embraced the rot that they're living in and be like, oh, it's so wonderful and lovely um, in order to kind of like, I guess, cope um, while having vengeance. And one thing I suppose in my gutter analysis is it may be because we see this thing where like the the people of Majula would throw down these like holy women statues, like they'd be statues of like this nice looking woman in like a, a, a row with like with a cowl and things that kind of look like holy women like you see in. um Right. Yeah. Dark Souls one and things like that in Dark Souls three. So um, there seems to be this idea of like, okay, we'll throw them down here. And he calls it a pagan custom in English. In Japanese, it's referred to as more like a countryside or like a hick custom. So it's like, you know, these these hicks in the countryside, you know, it's probably just like, you know, some weird custom of theirs, you know, like not like a city folk like like Gilligan with his <laughs> fucking selling ladders for overcharge prices. <laughs> He's truly a city man. Mm <laughs> Does anybody else think of like this is Sparta with the pit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there have been more than I, there has to be a video somewhere making a parody of it. <laughs> there has to be, yeah. But like, yeah. So doubt like they basically would throw like criminals and stuff, and then Aldia basically was like, "Hey, I can dump all my experiments. I don't want in here, <laughs> and face no consequences whatsoever." <laughs> Um, we also see like sorcerers and stuff have down there, so maybe some people trying to escape uh, Vendrick's like persecution was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, you know, just jump down here and take my chances. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there seems to be like a lot of dark sorcerers, Aldia stuff, regular sorcerers, like uh, just normal people. Because for those that don't realize, I think the Hollows are called like the abandoned Hollows in English. But like, keep in mind, like uh, it's the same thing with Valley of Defilement. Like abandoned is also in this case also can mean like thrown away in Japanese. So the idea is like you know they're trash, so that you got thrown away like the trash. Mm. Um, so it's like you've been abandoned mm. by God. Like God threw you away. Like uh, the people of like Majula threw them away, and the surface quote unquote threw them away. And this idea seems to be like again, it's 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 a gutter. It's a trash. Bo- like, it's literally called the trash bottom. So it's like. <laughs> It's just one giant garbage chute to the to everyone, and then um, they end up like doing basically the blight town and valley defilement thing that that all Souls games do, and like built a town out of it, and then um, a shanty town, and then that town ends up uh basically worshiping the statues, kind of, but it's not the normal statues because the statues also get like made into traps with poison and things like that. Um, so one of the things that I had thought about was that. Is there an alliance between the Rotten and Alana? Because one, we know that um, Gutter had got has been to Shulva. The key is found like in like a storage room that Shulva's using um, from the pit. Yeah, uh, we see a bunch of the statues there in Shulva. Um, we also know that Alana is plotting like vengeance against the surface because you know they killed her hubby. Um, 
So it's like it's like you know, drink blood nights kill kill my husband. Well, time to like have like swear vengeance on the entire world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're we're coming for you, Lindelt. And then uh, but like uh, uh, so like she has this whole thing about how like you know the day of wrath is coming or something like that. And there's this whole thing about resentment um in the gutter as well as the statue. Plus, we actually see like some of these um statues in Shulva have like a curse property, which again brings to mind like Nashandra and like the whole like people children of dark type of deal that they've got going for them. And like having like dark curses and things like that. Um so besides the petrification like curse thing they've got, there's also like a statue which you otherwise can as far as I'm aware it's a statue that only appears down there once, and it has like the the petrification curse attached to it, as well as in um, uh, shaded woods. That if you use, I think, what was the spell, chameleon or something like that, you'll transform into one of those statues, like a smaller version that's there. But this one in the Shulva is very big. Um, and again, it all seems it has a similar form to again that holy woman idea, like you know, like the cowl and like the womanly face and things like that. So it may be the case that like the rot, the like the people of like the gutter started worshiping like this image of like a holy maiden and like kind of combined it with this idea of the rot. And then you get Alana, who is literally like you know, kind of she's literally like Alana the corrupted, the squalid queen, etc. Like the whole idea is that she's been like dirtied and corrupted, and she like is like covered in like rot and filth and disgusting things because the poison that consumed her country. Um, right. So, like, combining all that together with, like, the statues and things like that, and it looks like there seems to be some interaction. Another piece of evidence is, like, once again, talk about, like, the, the, the chests that you can acquire after beating the Rodden before you get to the bonfire where the teleport point to Shulva is. Again, it's already kind of suspicious that the Rodden's boss room is, like, right next to that teleport point um, for, like, an in-universe perspective. But then you combine that with, um, there's this chest, and you have some of the, if I remember right, it's some of the spices used for... Um, like sorcerers and faith and we know Shulva was a country big on faith and then like obviously there's tons of sorcerers and dark magic and stuff related there so maybe trying to imply that there was some kind of contact and alliance being made between these two parties um, uh, but of course we unintentionally ruined her plans because we like just went in and killed everyone <laughs> Mm. <laughs> then we go to her, and then we, then we decide to break into the country <laughs> and be like you know what like let, let's just keep on killing you know like we're the true monsters here <laughs> I agree. She just wants, you know, she just wants to have like, she just wants to do justice for her, ba- for her, 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 her hubby. Okay, like he didn't deserve to die like that, stupid Yor. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that 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 pretty much covers like all the countries there. That was Loki with more in-depth Dark Souls stuff. This time about the countries in Dark Souls Two. Loki, can you tell us where your social media is if we want to find out more things you have done? All right, you can contact me on Twitter at Loki underscore DS. That's Loki underscore DS, L-O-K-E-Y. And then if you want to contact me via email instead, you can also find me at DarkSoulsLoki at gmail.com. Again, that is DarkSoulsLoki at gmail.com, L-O-K-E-Y. I feel like I'm doing a fucking Is that one word or? Yeah, one word. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming by again, Loki. Really appreciate it. Oh, I always love coming on. Yep. It's been a while. I've been getting antsy. Aww. I've been having yeah, withdrawals. Yeah. I was like, the nonsense Aww. podcast. <laughs> what am I going to do? I don't... No, talking. <laughs> Loki, did you know Vati said we're the best content of the decade? 
Oh, wow. Congrats. You can just like slap that on to your ads now whenever you're doing it. <laughs> it's like one of those one of those like movie trailers. Fati said, the best content of the decade. And also, okay, another thing. Um, Vati didn't mention himself as the best content of the decade in his video. Consequently, mm. <laughs> <laughs> we're better than Vati. Oh. Congrats. <laughs>